Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank, and I'm pleased to introduce you to my guest tonight, Dan Frisella, Superintendent of Nevada Joint Union High School District. Dan has served in almost every instructional role there is in a public school setting. He has worked for Nevada Joint Union High School District since 2011, and he became superintendent in 2022. Dan, welcome to the Sages Among Us. Hi, Lori. Thank you for having me. So happy to have you here. And and we'd like to get into the superintendent stuff, but let's start with a little bit more about your early days. Where did you grow up? All right. I grew up in Foster City, grew up in a house in Foster City and attended school uh, through high school in San Mateo, California, both on the peninsula, um, where I went to Sarah High School and graduated from there in the year 1995. Wow. Okay. He's going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) And what kind of activities were you involved in when you were a kid? Um, We were a sports family growing up. So for me, it was baseball, basketball, soccer, um, and in high school, football. Um, And then other than that, in the suburban area that I grew up, it was just whatever you could get yourself into in and around the neighborhood on bikes and at the park and running around trying to stay cool in the summer um, and getting as dirty as we could in a, in a concrete <laughs> suburbia. Did you have brothers? I did. I still or do have, you have brothers? <laughs> yes, I do. And I did. I have one older brother named Jason, uh, about four years older than me. Yeah. So the two of you would get to ride your bikes and get dirty together, huh? That's right. <laughs> uh, well, who are some of your role models growing um, up? Uh, mainly, I think people that come to mind are coaches. Um, Perry Carter is one one gentleman that comes to mind, a football coach that I had. Um, and within the house, it was, you know, my mom. I was raised by a single mom. She was widowed early, uh, a couple months before I was born, actually. Um, so she was always someone that I looked to for, for just about everything as a kid. And did you know what you wanted to do when you were a kid? Uh, no, I did not. I had a dream of working with large cats, um, in like a zoo type setting. Like lions, tigers. Yeah. Lions and tigers and things that could, could take care of you pretty quickly. Interesting. (laughs) Um, And that shifted, um, shifted in my second year in college when I was introduced to the, to the wilderness. So, um, some friends actually from the grass Valley area, um, brought me on a backpacking trip up in grouse Ridge and I fell in love with the wilderness and, um, I switched my major from biology to recreation and, um, quickly became, got involved in outdoor activities and started to study outdoor leadership and, um, took on a, the role of a, of a wilderness instructor and outdoor leader in, in the student body program at Chico State. At Chico State. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that Chico State. <laughs> well, so, what were some of your first jobs then? Um, let's see. In high school, you know, I worked the snack bar at the Elks Lodge. I delivered auto parts for a small auto part dealership in Redwood City for quite some time. Um, 
And then, like I mentioned, I, I was a wilderness instructor for Outward Bound Wilderness School right out of college after completing an internship in, in Portland, Oregon. Um, and I took uh, young people and, and adults into the wilderness for eight to 22 days at a time. And wow. Took them rafting down the Deschutes River and rock climbing and uh, a little bit of mountaineering and, and really just did some character development, some leadership development. Uh, that was probably my favorite job that I ever had. Eight to 22 days. That's yeah. a big responsibility for a young person. It was, yeah, as a 22, 24-year-old <laughs> being responsible yeah. for their lives for some very high-risk activities as well. Um, looking back, it, it's more fascinating than, than it seemed at, at the time. It seemed quite normal at the time. Well, did you learn, uh, did, do, you, do you carry with you any of the lessons that you learned from some of those early jobs? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. I have some of them written down in my office. Um, plans are everything, and plans are expletive poop. Um, <laughs> plan, plan, you have to overplan, but plans never go as you would expect. Um, and then during my time as a river guide, during kind of the similar phase, phase of my life, it was, it's not what you get yourself into, it's how you get yourself out of it. So those are two kind of I like those that we, we lived by as, as wilderness guides. And uh, they're very applicable to the work that I do now as well. Wow. Yeah, I would say probably for all of us. I love that. Right. I love that. So the plans one, did you come up with that on your own? Um, no, that was a Canadian colleague. Uh, that was a lead instructor during one of the first trips I had as we, we sat down and planned day to day, lesson to lesson um, over the course of an 11 day trip. And uh, I looked at him going, you know, on day nine, how, what if we don't get to X, Y, and Z on day eight? And he says, well, we overplan. Plans are everything and plans are not. So, uh, so yeah, so we had the best laid plans and it's, it's nice to have a roadmap, but obviously life happens and we switch gears. Um, and I think it's important that we have the end in mind um, always so that even if we do get off course for a little bit, we know where we need to make uh, another turn to kind of right the ship and, and get to the, to the final outcome that we're, we have as a target. So how long did, were you in a wilderness guide? Um, I worked for th only a, a long three summers for Outward Bound Wilderness School, and then I was kind of a raft guide for, for some overlapping years, so probably five or six years in total. Um, my, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, got a little tired of me not making much money and going away for weeks on end and returning not smelling very good either. <laughs> so was it a collaborative decision to look towards education or... Uh, well, you know, during that time, I, I didn't realize what I was getting into um, with Outward Bound is that it was a school, it was a wilderness school. Um, I did, as I reflected at the time, have a lot of people along the way telling me, you know, you'd be a great teacher, you should be a teacher. It never necessarily resonated until I started getting feedback during um, during my time as a wilderness instructor and um, always getting high, high remarks for, for my ability to teach students both just technical skills and then also um, kind of these human skills as we would as we dubbed them so that was a lot of good positive feedback um, my wife was returning to school um, entering a nursing program um, I began substitute teaching and uh, actually a friend of mine had taken on a, a long-term sub position in Oakland um, and I went to spend some time with him and hung out and saw his classroom and thought this is something I could do and it would be it would be fun it would play to my strengths um, and so I, I dove in from there. So you started substituting in Oakland? 
uh, no, my friend was substituting in Oakland. <laughs> I was in Sonoma County. Uh, and so I was substituting in the Santa Rosa Sebastopol area and, and went back to school there. And so you went back to school for your teaching? Correct, for a teaching credential, credential. yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so how long? I know that you said, uh, we said in your intro that you've done just about every public school job that you could do. Uh, what are What are some of the... Yeah, so I was a substitute teacher, kind of getting my feet wet, and then um, figured out from there sort of what grade levels I'd want to work with and what subject areas. Um, And then I was hired on as uh, an instructional aide, as a one-on-one aide for a student on the um, the autism spectrum, a behavioral student. Um, So as a substitute teacher, I was an instructional aide, um, and then I was seeking a credential in special education because I I grew an interest um, working with this student at the time. Um, And so then I was hired to do my student teaching um, in in an actual teaching position at San Marin High School in Novato. Um, so I spent a, a year teaching there and then moved to the Sacramento area and, and was a teacher for five additional years there before entering administration. Well, you are listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank, and I'm talking to Dan Frisella, the new superintendent of Nevada Joint Union High School. So you you moved from the, the Santa Rosa area and working Marin and then down um, to Sacramento. That's correct. Yeah. Um, I was at that time, um, even though I wasn't working as a river guide wilderness instructor, I was very much, and still to this day, I'm uh, very much a seeker of outdoor adventure and outdoor recreation. So I was chasing whitewater and chasing snow. And so kind of working my way here into the Sierras. Um, and I had uh, several friends living in the Sacramento area, which had great access to to the, each fork of the American River and getting north up to the Feather and down south to the Tuolumne and the Cahuilla and all those things. So um, so I moved to Sacramento. I found a teaching job there. And um, my wife and I spent six years in Sacramento um, teaching before we were married and started having children. And that um, that was kind of the, the driving force for us to move farther up the hill. Um, so we went from Sacramento to... Auburn, um, and during my time living in Auburn, I found a, um, I found the position at Nevada Union High School, assistant principal position. Which and that was back in 2011. 2011, correct. Yeah, so what took you out of the classroom and into administration? Because I know just from people I've talked to over the course of my life, some people, they just absolutely would never leave the classroom, and some people really just absolutely love the administrative part and, and shaping a school. And right. so what, what drew yeah. you to, to make the change? So I absolutely would never leave the classroom until uh, a guy by the name of Johnny Ike, um, who was the principal at the time of Natomas High School in Sacramento. He was a former drama teacher, um, very fun, very enthusiastic, uh, very influential person in my life and still a great mentor to this day. Um, he actively recruited me and said, hey, this opening's coming up. I think you're the man. And I said, you're crazy. I'm not going to do it. And he says, well, you need to think about it. And then um, it didn't take too long for him to convince me to jump into it. And um, I think the influencing factor for me was I was working in a special education program. I was the department chair. I was the head of our department. And um, I served roughly 80 students 
And um, what really kind of opened my eyes was the opportunity to serve at the time at Nevada Union or Natomas High School was about 1,300 students. Um, so the opportunity to kind of broaden my scope, have a greater um, impact on a greater number of students and to really work in a more a more diverse and dynamic uh, setting w- was intriguing to me. And then, uh, of course, I was joining a great team with, with a guy that I had a lot of fun with, John Ike, um, and a couple other assistant principals. So that was, that was what propelled me out of the classroom. Out of the classroom. Mm-hmm. And, and then what was the culture shift when you moved into uh, Nevada Dwight Union High School District? There were a few radical shifts. So um, at Natomas in northern Sacramento, we, we bordered on Grant School District at the time. Um, there was a significant amount of uh, violent behavior, gang activity. We had, um, you know, to give you an example, there's like a no red policy. So there was a bit heavy Norteño community. Um, I had an incident where I actually took a gun off a student in a classroom, you know, so it was, it was pretty, um, it was pretty f- full on in that way. So when you say no red, it means you could not wear the color red. wear the color red, yeah. So because was, that was an... an right. Yeah, we were right. not. Thankfully, that's not something that we're accustomed to. Right, um, pretty different. To a great degree. Up here. Uh, yeah. yeah. So the diversity was the greatest difference. To be honest, um, it was a bit of a culture shock. It's no secret that Nevada County um, lacks some some ethical diversity. Um, and leaving at the time, Natomas High School is the second most diverse school district in the nation, according to Time Magazine. Um, and so. Um, that was a culture shock coming up here and, and immersing myself in, in this community. Did you see that there were any challenges that, I mean, obviously it seems that the, the Natomas School District would present a whole lot of challenges that most of us that live up here wouldn't think about or mm-hmm. um, would hopefully we wouldn't have to deal with. But do we have challenges in this area that you might not have thought about before you came up here? Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, down there when it was um, dealing with with gangs and gang leaders, I, there was actually some type of organization to the violence. So um, when we had rumors of things, I could go talk to individuals that I knew were influential with certain student groups. Um, we had days where we actually kind of held groups of students in the conference room for like a delayed release because we knew things were going on. So, so things were very, um, very apparent, very visible. Um, coming up here, it's not, it's not as visible so much. We have challenges up here um, as a result of poverty. Um, we obviously have um, a big, uh, significant drug culture um, in our area. Um, and I think the other kind of unique challenge is that we, we have a shifting population in specifically in, in the, the northern part um, of the county where um, when I arrived, we were still relatively affluent. Um, and I think we have a well, not I think we, we do have a growing um, percentage of our of our community that's experiencing more and more poverty. So I think that 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 margin and that disparate that that difference is is increasing still. Well, so that that's you came into the school district and leadership, but now you're superintendent. How long have you been superintendent? <laughs> um, I've been the superintendent for about three months. Um, <laughs> I spent six years as the assistant superintendent um, and was, you know, very close working with uh, our prior two superintendents that I worked under um, and um, very close to decision making and very involved Um very involved with all of our COVID things that took place and transpired over the last couple of years. Um, 
so yeah, it's been you know it's been two months, but um, I was named and appointed by the board uh, two months prior to that, so there was quite a bit of lead-in time, um, and yeah, it's been exciting. So, what are some of the key elements of your job now as superintendent? Um, it's interesting. So, so the job of the superintendent is um, to work as a part of the the governing the governance team. So. We have a five-member board, uh, five elected board of trustees that represent different areas of the county. Um, my job is to work collectively with them to set policy, um, to um, to ensure a balanced budget, um, identify goals, and then essentially um, execute those goals through through my staff. Um, the board has one employee, and that's the superintendent. Um, so the superintendent serves as sort of the CEO of the organization. Um, and then all of our 340 employees um, are, are hired by our office through administrative action. So um, in large part, I think my job is to serve as a liaison between our staff and between our board. Um, our board is 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 elected by our by our community by our by our population. So they have they have their constituency um, con, uh, constituents, um, and then um, our staff certainly has a voice, and our students and our families have a voice, and they have needs. So um, we have a very involved process year to year of of making sure our the engagement activities with our educational partners are, are solid and sound and transparent and that all voices are heard and, and priorities can be can be identified. And then um, my job is to propose policy and propose goals for the board to, to approve at their, at their level. So you're talking about your educational partnerships. Are, are those all within the education world or do you have partnerships and collaborations uh, with different organizations and people in the community? Yeah, well, we're fortunate in this community that um, we're small and uh, a lot of the businesses and organizations in our community are either have have students in the system or they're alumni from Nevada Union or Bear River. So we have a lot of community involvement. Um, we go through a process of developing our, our local plan, our, our LCAP, our local control and accountability plan every year in which we recruit um, six members from six different stakeholder groups. And uh, we go through a three-day process. So we have six representatives from our parent group, six representatives from students, certificated teaching staff, classified support staff, um, our administration, and then we recruit from our community, um, mainly from folks that are um, involved in our scholarship program or other community CTE programming. Um, so we bring all of those groups to the table for a full three days. We educate them. We report out to them on all of our data and progress that we've made um, on our three-year plan. Um, and then we hear from them. We get to hear anecdotally from students, how are things going, from parents, how are things going, from the administration, from the community perspective. Um, and we vet through those things. And we have really amazing open dialogues. Um, and it's really powerful to have all of those groups in the room at one time um, so that, you know, sometimes parents make make statements that are second or third hand experiences that they um, sound off as as absolute truth. And it's nice to have students in there to either back those statements up or clarify things and have teachers in the room to defend themselves and administrators sometimes to play mediator or at least to take the good hard feedback um, and hear it. 
Um, and then throughout those three days, we, we identify priorities and those inform our goals and actions. And essentially what that translates to is what we spend our money on. So what that's we a pretty intense uh, commitment by everybody involved. And is this something that all school districts do, or is this unique to uh, <laughs> Nevada Joint Union High School District? There are some minimal requirements of seeking parental engagement and community engagement, but our, our process is definitely robust, um, and it, it, it goes above and beyond, and I would say it's almost a model in the state. It certainly sounds like it. You're listening to Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank, and I'm talking to Dan Frisella, the superintendent of Nevada Joint Union High School District. So that is certainly what I want to ask you, what are some of the responsibilities of your office that most of the general public are probably not aware of? Um, Certainly, I didn't realize the intensity. I'd heard that. uh, Was it L... LCAP. LCAP. I heard that acronym before, but I had no idea what went into your local area, local 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 area. Local control and accountability plan. Okay, there we go. (laughs) Uh, But there must be some other things that the general public and maybe even those closer to the school district um, don't realize as a responsibility. So what are some of those things that, that might surprise us? Oh, geez, there's a lot. I mean, um, between maintenance and facilities, um, you know, we have three, three aging, uh, school sites that, uh, thank our, we thank our community for passing and, and funding measure B. Um, so those are large scale projects. We've, we've coming near the end of, uh, expending a $38 million facility bond um, that the community is paying for. So there's certainly a lot of oversight with, with our facilities and construction department. Um, we have 340 employees, so all of the human resources and operational components that go along with that we oversee. We have three labor unions that are within those groups. So there's um, labor relations and negotiations that, that are ongoing at all times. Um, our office deals with student services and education services. So um, we're constantly trying to coordinate uh, services for students for mental health, for instructional programming, for counseling, special education, um, and then discipline, you know, discipline services as part of that ed services. So when, when issues arise on campus, um, they filter through the district office if there needs to be some type of um, significant behavioral action or activity. Um, we have a chief business official who has, uh, you know, a, a, a budget to balance of uh, close to $40 million. Um, that's entirely complicated in a, a foreign language when it comes to school finance. Um, so there's all kinds of action. That happens there's in a our lot that office. the general public that we don't realize <laughs> right, goes right. on in your office. Well, what are you looking forward to most this school year? Um, you know, the common thread I'm spending, uh, I'm spending this week at our Bear River High School site in South County. And, and the common thread for all of us really is uh, normal. Uh, we're all really looking forward to normalcy and it, and it does feel normal right now. So a year ago when students were returning to campus from hybrid or distance learning, um, it was, I've been using the analogy of all of the animals left the jungle um, and then all of the animals returned and um, there's pecking orders that need to be established. There's basic social skills that, that fell off for students um, and it was rough. It was rough across the state and nation um, the beginning of last school year. Um, so we went through some some speed bumps. We had a lot of um, 
kind of political division last year. We had a whole masking mandate challenge and differences of opinions and um, some some protests in some cases. And uh, it was really just the tail end of COVID and, and what we're doing with quarantining and screening and sending folks away. And then what that creates for teachers is makeup work and uh, trying to manage you know online learning and distance learning it's been it's been crazy i mean i don't need to go <laughs> further about covid and education but for this year it's it's about normalcy um sports being normal we're not testing there's not vaccination requirements um there still is some quarantining for folks that test positive for covid but we're not doing testing on campus and it it does feel very normal and it's been great so far i, I think that is just a, a great <laughs> Uh, powerful word at this point in our uh, evolution with the COVID. Yeah. Uh, so what are you most proud of with Nevada Joint Union High School District? You know, our, our programs have always been what we celebrate and um, between the ag program and what folks see at the fair with animals on display and uh, ag mechanics, wood, wood and metal projects that are on display. Um, our sports programs are always something that, that we celebrate and, um, you know, we, we take, take, take for advantage and, and until we have a COVID year. Um, but the performing arts programs, the, the dance programs, the choir performances, um, uh, the, the bands, um, all of those things, you know, just the, the things that our students showcase and the things that they're actively engaged in and that our staff um, celebrate and, and promote and uh, support year to year. Um, those are the things I'm most proud of is, is the showcasing that, that our students do. What are some of the opportunities right now? Um, I, I know we've come off a really tough time, but, but are there opportunities yeah, for me, I think the the biggest opportunity that I see as kind of low hanging fruit is um, how we how we market uh, all of the amazing things that take place on campus. Uh, I went to a, a parochial Catholic high school, and uh, every quarter I receive a magazine in the mail. That for the first fifteen years after I graduated, I sort of disregarded or set aside, and um, in the last ten years, I've really grown to relish when that uh, news print shows up in my mailbox and I look through it with nostalgia and I see how the sports program did or what drama perf drama was performance was put on that year and I see the kind of who's done what from year to year and so for me um, Nevada Union's been around for 60 plus years Bear River's been around for 35 years and um, we have a lot of alumni in our community that don't know what's taking place on our campuses. And I think if we could showcase the things that are happening, um, that would just reinvigorate that pride that, that I know our alumni have for the schools that they attended. Um, and it's also just an opportunity to build that community of alum and, and keep us close knit together and, and really support the community at large. Well, uh, in terms of the, the leadership, uh, and I think that's interesting, I didn't realize, so you are the only employee of the, the trustees of the board. Um, so how do they impact the education in the classroom? Um, well, they, they do it through policy decisions. So they do ultimately approve that LCAP plan every year. Um, and so if they don't like the direction one thing or another is going, then um, they have the authority to, to not approve that. Um, so 
really all policies uh, they they approve and as those things change or if they wanted to see a policy change they have the authority to to affect policy decisions um, and that that has a ripple effect down into our classrooms well we are coming close to the end here Dan and I always like to ask uh, our folks that come here if you could wave a magic wand and improve something in our community or eliminate a problem uh, what would that be Ooh, gosh. I mean, this year, I think it's uh, what we've seen across our nation in terms of kind of our political divide. And I think COVID has has played a large role in exacerbating that. So um, that would be my my magic wand is I know that this community is strong and that we have a lot of shared interests that are um, positive. And we all have um, Western Nevada County interests. in our hearts and in our minds and want the best for this community. So um, I'd wave a magic wand and let everybody put aside their differences and, and narrow in on that kind of central theme of, of doing what's best for our community and coming together as a community. Well, I think that would be a lovely way to, to do things. And I'm sorry we didn't get to get into some of your um, extracurricular activity because uh, I'm show. sure you still <laughs> do a lot of your rafting and uh, are you doing any coaching these days? I am coaching some basketball right now and uh, a little baseball in the spring probably and mountain biking as much as I possibly can. All right, can. you're making it all, <laughs> all happen. Well, I want to thank you for joining us tonight, Dan. It's been really great to talk to you and hear more about uh, you and uh, what it is to be superintendent of Nevada Joint Union High School District. Thank you, Lori. I appreciate you having me on today. You've been listening to The Sages Among Us on KBMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for everything that you do to make our community great.